0: Live longer and always look on the bright side. Always look on the bright side of life. Find out how on this week's Pod 20. Also on the show, Gabby Roslin talks about being shy. Father and son Trevor and Ryan Mangan from Two Decorators and a Microphone will tell us what they said on their podcast that almost resulted in legal action. Gary Hayes from Highway 61 Podcast will tell us how he went from being a boyhood fan of Chelsea to working at the club. The sports stars Tom Fordyce met that ended up featuring in his podcast, Death of a Sports Star. And my special guest pod stars are Dr. Roger and friends from the Bright Side of Longevity.
1: Welcome to Dr. Roger and Friends: The Bright Side of Longevity, hosted by Three Ps in a Podcast. Doc Roger, Teresa, and Danielle. Thanks for joining us for coffee and conversation.
2: Well, welcome to Doc Roger and Friends. Uh, I'm Doc Roger,
1: and I'm Teresa, and I'm Danielle.
2: Well, this is all about the bright side. You, you got it, yeah. The bright side of longevity, and this is for you know all ages. Is re- the only requirement really is that you have a pulse and that you want to get the most out of this amazing journey of your life. We want to give you practical information and help inspire you to you know to keep growing and build resilience so that as life throws you curveballs as it will, that you'll be able to just hit them out of the park.
0: This is the definitive countdown of the top 20 podcasts right now. And the pod 20 is heard on podcast radio on DAB in London, the home counties, Manchester, Glasgow, on demand in the USA at talkers.com and around the world on multiple platforms and as a podcast itself into the chart. Now, and at number 20 case file, true crime fact is scarier than fiction. 19, And that's why we drink. Chilling ghost stories and terrifying true crime stories. The world's a scary place. And that's why we drink. At 18, That Gabby Roslyn podcast. It's strange that you became a TV presenter, Gabby, because you were so shy.
3: No, I still am. And we talk about that a lot in the podcast because um, a lot of... Actually, in fact, I think all of my guests so far bring it up. Um, and I think it needs to be talked about. It's very interesting. When I first started being sort of open about the fact that I was a very, very shy teenager and I still get moments of shyness, uh, people suddenly go, oh, I am too. And nobody talks about shyness. And um, so that's why we always talk about it. And, I, I you know, Dame Judy Dench talks about it. And uh, Josh Groban, who's the one that we released, um, the latest one that we released, uh, he talks about it. See, Imrie talked about it. Robbie Williams talks about it. We talk about our coping mechanisms. Was that your phone?
0: No, no, it's just bits and pieces. Go. I've got a guy oh. here painting in the kitchen and it's probably his phone. Because <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is my wardrobe. So... Uh...
3: Yeah, well, I do my podcast in my husband's wardrobe and I do all my videos in front of my wardrobes.
0: Being shy and being in at any level of show business... It doesn't help, does it? Because if you, you know, I used to be an air conditioning engineer and I think I'm quite shy and no one ever said to me when I was an engi- air conditioning engineer, if I was awkward at some, you know, it was in Australia at a barbecue or something, no one ever said to me, oh, aren't you shy? But then when I did breakfast radio for a while, when you do breakfast radio... Then then it's like you're not allowed to be shy. It's like, oh you're very quiet. I was like, what do you want? Did did once you became well known for live television, did it make it even worse, the shyness in social situations?
3: Uh, no. I it, it no, not really. I just think I think um doing what you love helps. And I I think in lockdown Um, Instead of saying all the time, oh, I'm obsessed with telly, or I'm addicted to telly, which a lot of the press have always said about me, and then I just go, yeah, you're right, I am. Um, I I think I actually came to the conclusion that I I love it. I properly love it. I'm very blessed to love my job. Um, uh, There there are not many people that can say that, so I know how lucky I am. I really do. Uh, So I think because I love what I do, that helps. And so if I go to an event, I am there... Talking about what I love to do, um, but if I go to a house party, I go to pieces. I can't go to a house party. I'm not. I'm no good at them. We had to go uh, to to people's parties. My husband, uh, who's out there, that's why I'm pointing over there. Uh, my husband always says, "But how can you stand in front of millions of people, or go to the Albert Hall and stand there and do an event, and yet you you can't go to a party? It's different. I just. I'm just. The you know. The it's not all the time now." as 15 year old it was I couldn't I went to a party and I literally couldn't speak so at least I speak now.
0: Because you did have a time you you mentioned the Albert Hall there you went to the Albert Hall and suddenly had to host something and like I think it was a couple of nights before you really couldn't go to a a social event.
3: Yeah 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 that's completely and I will uh, probably still be like that I remember there was another event we went to and I had to hold my husband's hand and he said, oh, I'm just going to the loo. And I went, no, you're not. No, you're not. No, you're not. He said, well, I need to. I went, right. And I went with him. So I just, there are moments where that 15-year-old shyness goes, and and then I can't do it. But I, But because I love my job, it's never been a case of being too shy. I mean, there are certain things I wouldn't do on television. And that doesn't come down to shyness. That just comes down to, I won't do them <laughs> so um, I wouldn't do I'm a celebrity but I watch it um, I wouldn't do strictly come dancing and I love it uh, and that strictly actually does come down to shyness I'm just too self-conscious and too shy to do that but otherwise uh, with the work that I do when I'm hosting when I'm presenting when I'm broadcasting on the radio when I'm doing the podcast that's I'm, I'm in my first love my love zone i don't know whatever you want to call
0: it well it's lovely to have you on the podcast this week gabby roslin and that gabby roslin podcast is at number 18 gabby will be back next week to talk about how she knew she wanted to be a tv presenter from the age of three number 17 on the pod 20 this week is anatomy of murder a murder case has many layers The victim, the crime, and the investigation. To truly understand it, you need to dissect each piece of a tragic puzzle. Anatomy of Murder, 17. Number 16, The Ezra Klein Show, winner of the 2020 Webby and People's Voice Awards for Best Interview Podcast. Let's check in with my guest podstars this week. It's the hosts of The Bright Side of Longevity with Dr. Roger and friends. Life coach, Teresa Beshwaite. Daniel Pai, the spiritual guru, and the preventative medicine physician, Dr. Roger Landry. How do you know each other?
2: Well, I guess I'll start. Uh, uh, we, uh, we, My brother and I had formed a company uh, called Masterpiece Living, which was to partner with senior living communities to help people age in a better way. And uh, we met Teresa shortly after forming that because she was working in one of those communities. Remember Teresa, and uh, we were actually vying to become the consultant provider for that the system of senior living communities that she worked with, and she was on the the uh, the committee that was to select and. Um, Luckily for us, she was on that committee because uh, she, uh, the committee selected us and then we began working together and then she jumped ship to our company from their company. Luckily, we did that. And um, Teresa, I think you uh, brought in Danielle. I'll let you tell. That I
4: did. I did find Danielle, thanks to a mutual friend, um, looking for a great writer. And Danielle came highly recommended and she's been in our on our team ever since and the podcast idea came much later but we've been working together for a number of years
2: i think it's uh for us Teresa it was it's probably been like 15 years almost i think so
1: i'm i'm 10 years because i i like to joke that i came to the company through the back door because i would get these little projects from different from the sales and the ops and after like about a couple of years had gone by, they're like, all of a sudden, they're like, oh, well, I guess she's not going anywhere. We might as well make her part of the team. <laughs> <laughs> so I just I just was there long enough where they just assumed I should always be there. And maybe, it was maybe it had
2: something to do with your skills, too. <laughs> <laughs> a
1: little bit. So but, when, but- you, when you got
0: together, was that for the podcast or were you working on something else through Roger's company at the time?
2: Danielle, we.
1: Roger and I were working on, um, he wrote the book Live Long, Die Short, a guide to healthy longevity. And um, so anyway, we I started working with him because he was traveling all over promoting the book. So I was kind of managing the campaign. And that's kind of, I think, where we started working together uh, more closely in 2014 and on.
0: So and you then- were all working together in various capacities, but in the same area in this field of of working senior care that kind of thing yeah more like uh
2: more like uh longevity and successful aging type of thing we were in the mostly our partners were people who were living independently within a a retirement community so they were healthy and for the most part well there were of course uh, some that were not and These communities had the capacity to handle them, you know, move into assisted living or uh, skilled nursing. But for the most part, they were independent. So what what we were all doing together, and this is way before the podcast, is working within this company to build content, write content, film content, and to to help people age in a better way.
0: Great. So then the podcast then just became another vehicle to get the message out and and help the community get together and share things that you would discovered.
2: Whose exactly. who's idea was it, guys? I've forgotten.
0: Yeah.
4: <laughs> Whose idea was know. it? Does anybody remember? Somebody claim
1: it. I don't know. It I... was Roger's idea. And Roger, <laughs> maybe it would be helpful. Can you talk a little bit about the MacArthur Foundation and the components of aging? Because I think that would kind of set the stage for what we do. Because it's it's a little different than than what most people offer uh, senior living communities okay I'll be so happy you're the host it. and I'm asking the question I'm
0: sorry. No, that's, that's. you're allowed <laughs> hey this is a this is a discussion we can just chip in with whatever whatever we think will help get the word out about the podcast because podcast radio's sole goal is to help with discovery of podcasts because that's the hardest thing because there are millions of podcasts out there and there oh. are millions of people who would enjoy them it's just bringing the two together so anything we can do to help people discover this podcast let's just do it it doesn't matter who's hosting it danielle don't worry <laughs> about that
2: well it's probably a good idea to talk about our pedigree because what brought a uh, a physician military guy uh an almond farmer skydiver <laughs>
4: <laughs> that's going spir- way back
2: in a spiritual guru uh you know uh Coach, writer from Florida, and the, and Teresa lives in California, and I live in Massachusetts, so we couldn't be any further apart. <laughs> you know? so, so what did? Well, uh, the story goes, my brother uh, was the CFO of the MacArthur Foundation when they did a 10-year-long study on aging. Why did some people age in a better way and others didn't? Uh, They studied it uh, from about mid-80s to mid-90s, and what they found really changed everything because what they found was that it was your lifestyle and the choices that you made, holistic, you know, the physical choices, intellectual, social, and meaning and purpose. Those were the things that uh, determined up to 70% of how we age rather than genes or luck or anything. So uh, here's a good story. So uh, Jonas Salk the famous Jonas Salkwell vaccination. Yes, that's it. He was on the board. And when they had presented their results, my brother and I, and he uh, shared a cab to O'Hare airport in Chicago. And it was Jonas who uh, sort of stimulated my brother to think about, applying what they had learned so a few years later he got a few people together which included me i was coming out of the military and then it grew from there and then we grabbed Teresa, we grabbed danielle we grabbed a lot of very very talented people and um it's uh it's been going on quite a while masterpiece living so basically we're we're first of all making people aware that it's their choices that really determine mostly how you age that it's holistic. It's everything. It's not only the physical, it's the intellectual, social, and spiritual or meaning and purpose. And and then we partner with uh, these retirement communities so that they become places where this is more likely to happen. And we do it through content. We do it through training, education. Uh, and so uh, it's, uh, it's sort of a cultural shift that goes on within these communities. And, uh, you know, the new older adult, Uh, which I am rapidly approaching to be in that time when I would think about doing that, something like that, they're going to want something totally different than the past. And so it's got to be cool and it's got to be something that is uh, stimulate them, help them keep them healthy so they can continue to, Uh, have new experiences and live life to the fullest.
0: Dr. Roger, I want to find out how we can do that a little bit later on. Back to the chart now, and we've reached number 15, which is the High Performance Podcast, an intimate glimpse into the lives of high-achieving, world-class performers in conversation with Jake Humphrey and leading organizational psychologist Damian Hughes. 14, On Purpose with Jay Shetty. Fascinating conversations with the most insightful people in the world. At 13, it's the sister podcast of Death of a Rock Star, Death of a Sports Star. The man behind this is Tom Fordyce. Tom, you're a journalist, a sports broadcaster. What sports stars did you meet that you ended up covering in Death of a Sports Star?
5: Yes, yeah, so I certainly met John L- Lomu and then... Um Marco Pantani, the cyclist, which is a, a really sad story. I covered his cycling career. And and this was a, this was an absolute heartbreak of a story, Graham. So he was a – a lot of people are driven into sport and music, aren't they, because they're running away from something else. They feel they have to prove something to someone. And Marco Pantani, who was an Italian cyclist, didn't look like a sporting superstar. He lost all his hair very early. He had sticking-out ears. He had a broken nose. He was small – and he was an incredible climber. He could just, he could ascend mountains quicker than anyone else. But when it went wrong for him, he just, his descent, his metaphorical descent was probably faster and longer than anyone else's as well. He got
0: What, what happened with him?
5: So he was, he was competing in that era where there was, a, there was a lot of abuse of performance enhancing drugs. And he was one of the few who got caught and he became a scapegoat for it. And he, but they were all up
0: to it. Yeah. Well, so well, they weren't all up to it, but yeah, obviously we know with the Lance Armstrong thing that it was right. Yes, yeah,
5: exactly. And Lance got away with it for a long time and kept winning and Pantani didn't and just couldn't cope with the disgrace that he was in and started abusing cocaine, had a lot of money, got into a dreadful cocaine addiction, was using crack cocaine, ended up dying of a cocaine overdose in a desolate seaside town in February, only half an hour away from his family home where his mother was. So this sporting superstar died alone um, on the brink of madness in this lonely hotel in an empty seaside resort in Italy. It's, it's an absolutely heartbreaking story.
0: And when you met him, what stage was he in? in his he, was at
5: the, he was at the peak of his powers then. So he was a, a hero in Italy because he'd won the Tour de France. He'd won the Giro d'Italia, the two biggest races he could have won. He had this gold-hooped hoop, earring, Graham, and he, he had a, a bandana. And they used to call him the pirate Il Pirata. That's what they called him in Italy. And he used to come out with these wonderful quotes. That people said, don't, "Why don't you wear a helmet? Surely it's better to wear a helmet. You're much safer." And he would say things like, "Helmets imprison my thoughts." <laughs> it's a very poetic way of speaking, very Italian poetic way of speaking. So he was someone, Pantani, I think. And hopefully, you get the sense listening to the to the pod with this one that even while you condemn his abuse of performance-enhancing drugs. You do feel this great sympathy towards him. You get a sense of why he did what he did, how he ended up. And you see the world from his perspective a little bit.
0: Did you get emotional in any way having actually met him at the peak and then having yeah. to then do the program about where he ended up?
5: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And and it's been like that with the, the, the musical stars as well. The Otis Redding one, I always loved Otis Redding and writing about Otis Redding's death at 26 in this plane crash, just when he's on the point of becoming a superstar, just when he's done the Monterey Festival and he's breaking through. Because yeah. as a kid, I used to listen to Otis and I used to think, what if, what if I mean, 26 is, is no time to die, is it? 26 is, you're only just getting started as a musician. Yeah. And it's, I think those are the things which have, which have touched me the most. It's the sense of lives left unfinished, yeah. what they could have done.
0: Well, Death of a Sports Star, you do Kobe Bryant as well. It oh a helicopter life. crash, wasn't it? I mean, we weren't as familiar with, with American basketball when he went. How, how big a deal was that in America then, to, to put it into perspective? Was it like us losing a, a top premiership football player suddenly?
5: It's probably almost a sort of a David Beckham.
0: Wow. I think wow. It's, that,
5: it's that big because... He had been at the top for a long time. He joined the NBA, the professional league, as a a straight out of high school, which people didn't do at that point. So he'd been in the spotlight from the age of 18. He was an incredible player. He could be a very selfish player. He'd gone through quite a big arc in terms of starting off as maybe a selfish, self-centred player and then gone through some dark places and come almost full circle. Uh, and has started becoming a huge advocate for women's sport through his daughter, Gianna, who was, a, who was a fantastic young basketball talent. So I think in America, the death of Kobe Bryant in January 2020, most people in America will be able to tell you where they were when they heard the news. It's, wow. it's, it's that big. He was an ap- absolute superstar. And as you say, it was the shock. It was there was no warning about Kobe Bryant's death. Yeah. There was no illness in the build-up to it. There were no abuse issues. It was one minute he was he was with with us, and the next minute there was a helicopter crash and he'd gone.
0: Yeah, just tragic. Tom Fordyce and Death of a Sports Star is at number 13 this week on the Pod 20. Tom will be back next week to tell us how he got started in broadcasting and ended up working on BBC Radio 5 Live. Number 12, Pretty Little Things, PLT, Behind Closed Doors. Nat O'Leary has invited a load of celebs to put their PJs on, get comfy and join her to delve deep into topics ranging from how savage social media can be to how to build the ultimate brand, as well as getting the scoop on exclusive stories and goss. Number 11, Sword and Scale, a true crime podcast covering the dark side of humanity and human nature. Let's catch up with my special pod star guests this week. It's the hosts of The Bright Side of Longevity with Dr. Roger and friends. What are the three things we can do to make sure we live a longer, more fulfilling life? Teresa,
2: you take that
4: one. I would love to take. So I'd say if if I could give you just one, Graham. Okay, sure. Yeah, let's boil that down. Believe that your future of aging is going to be a time of possibility and growth. If there was one, I would give you that one because if the research is very clear that if we believe that it will be a time of decline and dependence, it indeed would be, it will be. And on the other hand, if we believe it's a time of opportunity and growth, um, it will be that. And that sounds so simple, but the research shows that it's absolutely true. So is it about
0: planning? I know people who were approaching their 60s and I mean this many years ago and they were telling me oh you know when I retire when I retire when I retire when I retire but they didn't really have a plan they were just going to play more golf or they were going to do this and that but and I said well have you got a plan for what you're going to do with your day oh no when I retire and, I'm gonna... and all of them without fail said I don't have time to do anything
4: because <laughs> you don't have a plan is, is it a bit, is, is the planning important it, it is important but Let me give you an example of, I'm just believing that it's a time of of possibility. So two women fall, slip on ice, break ankles, and both require rehab. Um, One believes that it's the beginning of the end, that this is what comes with aging, and so she only puts half effort into rehab. She falls into depression, and indeed is the beginning of the end for her. The other believes that it's just a, a curveball that life, as we know, throws at times. And she uses the, the downtime in rehab to study a new language and plan a trip overseas. And then she works toward her goal, right? Because she doesn't believe it's the beginning of the end. She believes that life throws curveballs. And the degree to which, you know, we are living these this lifestyle that Dr. Roger um. So recommend then we're going to weather that storm and come out the other end really beautifully
0: thanks for that teresa and coming up i'll talk to dr roger about how the brain can rewire itself and how we can use that to our advantage at number 10 two decorators and a microphone the podcast from the father and son team of painters and decorators trevor and ryan mangan tell me about the podcast that got you into trouble
6: we have been threatened to be taken, taken to court, court. yeah so that's, over that's-
0: what <laughs> oh, yeah, Randa <laughs> and Ligal, wasn't it? Or Slung, something like yeah. that. Well, obviously, well, don't tell me what you said, but what, what was the, the gist of it?
6: I'll tell you, and we'll get your independent opinion, Graham, which will be okay. very... <laughs> no, yeah, I'm going to be very tactful. But there, was a, there was a certain, certain, um, a certain... Someone. A certain, a certain person uh, awarded a prize. A uh, spray, and we'll be very careful now oh yeah is that what you're talking about you were talking about who else was taking us to court <laughs> like a... oh, I...
7: no 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 i remember now i just remembered okay. Carry on.
1: So,
6: there was there was a person that was giving away a prize uh, uh, a spraying prize uh, the person that won the spraying prize uh was then found out that they didn't spray so he, they took the prize off of the person because they wanted the person that did win the prize to be a sprayer
0: that sounds fair enough No,
7: no, no. Well, well, the thing we had was it was a comment on this Facebook, uh, Instagram post, and I'll draw a a winner out of the comments. Right. Drew announced this winner and then said, oh, no, because they don't spray, they're not allowed.
0: Ah, so the prize wasn't for spraying, I get you. It was 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 supposed to be a random draw.
7: We didn't say that. Yeah. What we done was we spoke to some contacts that we have. We had her on our podcast and said, right, we're running a competition. It's do with people on this podcast, but because we're the hosts, we can't enter. And the prize is a spray machine, so we put her into a sprayer on our podcast. Yeah, we got a spray machine. Yeah, we, we, yeah, we so went out and got a so spray machine. Yeah, oh, we, you okay. saved the day! So yeah. she, so she might not have got a, the spray gun, which was the prize, but she got a full spray machine. So she can now call herself a sprayer.
0: And so. someone tried to take you for uh, for that. Um, wow! Well, we
7: yeah. got a little bit. I, away, I, got, you know, I was, one of them I was told
6: I should uh, be careful what I said and take the podcast down. And of course, map training, that just the podcast they tried to ban. That
0: had to be a title. <laughs> 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 Well, I'm glad you learned something in the three months you were there.
6: <laughs> perfect, yeah, the podcast they tried to ban, of course, and that was it. That was one of our but it's probably one of our best podcasts, isn't it? Yeah. So um that was a the title, then yeah, just got messages. I said, "Well, maybe you don't worry about what we're saying about your uh, competition. Maybe you should stop running dodgy competition."
0: <laughs> Brilliant. So it's Trevor, R- Trevor Mangan and Ryan Mangan, and it is two decorators and a microphone. And you get it wherever you get good podcasts, and also where you get dodgy ones as well. We're, we're everywhere. Can, can you
7: just with. explain for a second? Because that was supposed to be a reference thing, wasn't it?
6: There was it was on the... It, Chris Moyles on Radio X the other day, on last Friday, played the, the oh, song. Yeah, can you, tell, can you tell us the song, though? Actually, I might have it on it. Uh, no, can you just tell us? Right. Because I recorded it. I was going to WhatsApp you it. No, at,
7: just tell us now. Please. In the, in the 80s, there was... No! What's the name of the song? Uh, I don't need to hear <laughs> a story about you were at a club in the 80s. With a pint of special brew, and you special heard this brew. song come right. on the radio, and this song then you. They don't with play you. radios
6: in the club, not even in the 80s.
7: There was a. Uh, sorry, back in the good old days. Uh,
6: there was a record oh. called Two Turntables and a Microphone. There we go. And that's where that came from. Uh, it was from that. And yeah, it was funny that it was on the radio the other day, and I was going to send it to you. Yeah. Maybe I should have done. Yeah, thank yeah. You. So that's that's where the um, that's where the, the name comes from.
0: Two quest. decorators and one microphone. Uh, no, two decorators and a microphone. That's it. Yeah.
7: But um, we're, we're very much like just like that. We're a, a podcast of simple questions and complicated
3: answers. Thanks, <laughs> <laughs> Graham.
7: Thank you.
0: two decorators and a microphone will be back next week to talk about paper in their house with wallpaper that was meant for mcdonald's number nine this week is the daily show with trevor noah ears edition and at number eight it's the joe rogan experience Let's catch up with my special guest podstars this week. It's the hosts of the Bright Side of Longevity podcast with Dr. Roger and friends. Lately, we've heard that to fight off dementia, you should keep your brain active with puzzles.
2: Are they important? I hope the puzzles are. I just finished a 2000 piecer. <laughs> I thought I would go crazy. Uh, it is it definitely is because the, the you know there's so much new research that just keeps coming and coming and it's all positive and that's hence the bright side of longevity. That's why we talk about it that like that. Yeah. Uh the brain is not what I just dis- learned in medical school back in the 70s. That, and I learned then it was an organ. It grew to be its best. And then for most of your life, you were just losing neurons and losing capability, you know, hitting your head, getting older, you know, being in a low oxygen environment, whatever. Uh, and it was all loss. Well, now we know that the brain has a characteristic called neuroplasticity. And this is the lifelong ability of the brain to rewire itself. In response to an injury or to sickness or to what we want it to do so hence when you're a half full person and you're positive uh, and you have expectations that are that are positive that you know I I know I can do this uh, that this stimulates the brain to grow these new connections and uh, they grow more rapidly when you learn new things at any age any age the lifelong ability to grow new brain tissue. In fact, now we can see it on brain scans. So, Graham, you're a talented guy, you play music and everything, but you probably don't know Chinese, right? No, I don't so, know Chinese. <laughs> so, you start to learn Mandarin, you know, and uh, we take a brain scan before you do that. You start learning it. We take a brain scan in three months, and your brain's gonna start to be bigger and thicker in the language area because of these new connections. Now, we can see it with brain scans. And that's what's going on. So, that, so you, you know, Teresa talked about expectations. Remember Henry Ford's uh, uh, quote there? If you think you can do something or you think you cannot do something, you're probably right. You know, so that's what we're talking about here. So absolutely, keep learning new things for the brain. Like Danielle, that's all she does is new things. New (laughs) things, new things, new things.
1: Yeah, but you know what? There's, There's the caveat to that is people say crossword puzzles. So it's not retrieving stuff that you already know. Like a crossword puzzle, you're retrieving something you've learned. It has to be or it's not playing a song that you can play in your sleep it has to hurt. <laughs> I mean, right. you know, this is why I play right. the piano terribly. And every time I screw up, I'm like, Roger says I'm getting smarter. I'm going to keep <laughs> doing this. <laughs> so, um, yes. So it's just, it, it has to, you know, make you think because once you've learned something completely, it has to be challenging. So you have to move on to something else. So yes, growth. Right. Is there's a sweet spot, right? It has to hurt.
4: Yes. But there's kind of a, a sweet spot of a little bit uncomfortable but not so uncomfortable that you just want to throw your hands in the air and say forget
2: yeah. it yeah we'll yeah. tell you a story uh ellen langer is a as a psychologist at harvard and uh and and she did a study back in the 70s and she took 70 year old men they were in their 70s and she recreated a place from the 1950s and brought them there and they had to discard everything that reminded them of the current time. And they went back in time, you know, with old cars, old clocks, old radios, no TV, you know, three stations on TV at best. And uh, and before she did, she took photos of them, hearing tests, visual tests, even blood tests. They were there a week. And everything changed for the better. They were even looking better. They're, I mean, their families saw f- new, the new photos and couldn't believe how, they, how young they looked. Their behavior, how they managed their luggage, how much they moved, you know, just how vibrant they were, everything, hearing, vision improved, blood parameters improved. In one week, this is just about expectation. And this launched her whole career uh, on positive psychology and what the brain can bring to reality it, it, when you want to. And her, her latest book is Counterclockwise. I highly recommend it.
0: Counterclockwise. Thank you very much, Dr. Roger. And coming up, find out how the Bright Side of Longevity podcast is put together despite the fact that each presenter is thousands of miles apart. Number seven on the pod 20 is Freakonomics Radio, Discover the Hidden Side of Everything with Stephen J Dubner, co-author of the Freakonomics books. Number six, Bed of Lies from the Telegraph newspaper. They have the perfect relationship until one day he vanishes. Her hurt leads to other women just like her and a web of state-spun lies. Cara McGugan investigates one of Britain's biggest secrets. Number five, Broadway to Brazil from Highway 61 Podcasts, the story of Corinthians Casuals, the English amateur team that has influenced football all over the world. Gary Hayes is from Highway 61 Podcasts, and you come from a football background. You're a big Chelsea fan, always have been since you were a kid. Straight out of university, you worked for Chelsea. When you first worked there, what did they have you doing?
8: So I was just the, the tea and coffee boy who would get the opportunity to, to see the process and do a little bit of research when someone didn't have time to do it. You're in the and environment, which is also important. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. You, you sort of absorb, and it's sort of what you make of it. It's like, do you sit there and moan that you are just doing these errands, or do you sort of absorb everything? So in the end, what, what happened is, as I graduated, Chelsea had just uh, relaunched their magazine, and I just hounded the editor there, for i don't know six months and in the end i just called him one day and he goes because he kept putting off my calls he goes what and i was like oh look i want to do this and he goes yeah i've got a stack of because i was writing him emails and writing him letters and posting them you know that's how you know <laughs> 2004 was working then right <laughs> and um yeah so i've got this idea uh, you should do some stuff and you know and he was like okay look just give me some ideas and i think he just wanted to get rid of me and then I, i'd said this idea about supporters clubs around the world and you know trying to bring in that international fan base into the magazine and giving that representation. And he said, yeah, go with it. I look back at it now and it's horrendous. And I've still got the magazines, but I've got them more for, you know, um, nostalgic, you know, Reasons then you know, looking at and thinking wow i'm re- real proud of this because it was I look at it now and it was just you can re- you read your it, readers like okay, here's someone who was learning their craft you know it so, some of them hit the you know work some of them didn't um but then as I developed um I ended up working at Chelsea properly and um just so before, how wh-
0: how did that happen so you you're writing in the magazine and the magazine's been put out it's the official magazine for the yes yeah club. Yeah, yeah.
8: Put, yeah, so it's put out um because it was done for a publisher, but they were based at Sanford bridge, and in that in the end, they just had a job come up and I think the guy was just like this, well, I won't rent necessarily a kid, but this kid is just on at me all the time <laughs> and, um, I might as well, you know, I, I don't know, I, I don't know what he's thinking because, um, uh, yeah, I, I was just, I was just unrelenting. I was like, this is what I want. This is what I want and nothing in the world at that moment was more important to me than going to work for my boyhood club and, you know, write these features that were completely non-partisan but just sort of me Delving into that passion for you know for Chelsea, which I was able to get, and I remember uh, the first piece that I wrote in it, uh, you know, properly in the magazine when I went to work was um, it was an interview with Dave Sexton, yeah, uh, who was a Chelsea manager um, in the late '60s and early '70s, and he had inherited this amazing team from Tommy Docherty, um, and he won the FA Cup with Chelsea, he won the Cup Winners' Cup with Chelsea, um, and so that was in '71, and. I did this interview with him, and I'd phoned him a couple of weeks before to do the interview, and um, he was like, yeah, yeah, let's do it, let's do it. And then he had arranged, I was going to go, I wanted to go and do the interview in person. So then it, just, it was a bit strange on the phone at the time. And I thought, I'd better just call the day before just to make sure. And I wasn't working at Chelsea at the time, so I wasn't aware of some of the stuff that was going on. And so I was doing this as a freelancer initially. I thought, I'd better just phone to make sure that, you know he's happy to do the interview still and I phoned and phoned no one picked up and I just left a message like hi Dave it's Gary you know etc cetera, etc cetera. and then two weeks later you know and I forgot about it because I'm not going to hound him if he's not going to call me back he doesn't want to do it and then two weeks later I got this call and um, it's from a woman called Lara who was his wife and she was like you've left messages about this interview what interview I said oh I spoke to Dave and she was like you, do you do you realise Dave's you know really sick he's got Alzheimer's and i was oh, like oh I, yeah i was just like my expression now is how i was and i was like oh my god i'm so sorry i d- i didn't know and she goes no look it's fine but what what did you talk about and i told her told her and she goes okay if you don't mind me listening in on the call then you can do it but if he's struggling i'm going to end the call and i'll tell you to stop and i was like fine yeah so we just the, the whole idea is i i proposed this idea of like when flower power met player power, you know, and about how Sexton had this, he had to go head to head with like Alan Hudson and Peter Osgood. And in the end had to dismantle that team that had won so much for Chelsea. Um, and I did this interview with him. And at the end of it, after about 20 minutes, he got off the phone and she was like in tears on the phone. Cause she was like, I haven't heard him talk like this for years.
0: Ah, oh, so it was great yeah. for both of them.
8: Yeah. Yeah. And she, cause she said, he doesn't even realise that he's just been visiting his kids in America because that's where they had been. Right. And it was just so sad. And, you know, again, you know, there's no – it's not an excuse, but I felt really, you know, insensitive to it. And I just – and I was young where I was like, I just didn't realise talking to someone with Alzheimer's and what it does to the family and that. And I just felt really – and that was another thing that made me – you know, there's people that do important stories, but that was another thing that just – sort of turned me off against journalism because i was like i'm not in it for that yeah i'm not in it to sort of d- tell people so did you did you,
0: did you okay. mention did you mention that in the article or did you keep it out No, no,
8: no. kept it out yeah kept right. it out because um they, they were a very private family you yeah. know and they they wanted to keep it private and yeah you know, so like I, it was just doing that, that i felt like i was stepping into a private situation a bit too much yeah and that just made me realize that like you know there's times you've got to do that but for what i wanted to do i was like that's that wasn't what i felt comfortable doing now some people might say yeah but that is journalism that's what you do but for me i just felt like it no, was i know exactly what you mean personal life too much
0: for a couple of years i presented the breakfast show at bbc wiltshire and it was an all speech show so it was a news show and i'd only ever been like a music breakfast d jockey disc you know You'd tell a fart joke and then play nickelback you know and, and all of a sudden you know you were getting, like, really serious stories across. And some of them were really interesting, you know, getting to find out, you know, who's on the council and all the politics and who hates each other and all that. That was good fun. In fact, there was one time I had, I had a Labour guy and a, and a Conservative guy, and I knew they hated each other. And I just kept getting the Labour guy guy to talk because I knew it would wind up the conservative and uh, he started heavy breathing when he, when he got really upset so I was turned his mic up all the way so it <laughs> sounded like he was getting even more but the thing that, and I didn't mind all that that was, that was really interesting but the one I couldn't stand and in the end I told him I'm not doing it anymore is when they bring people into the studio where something tragic has happened to them yeah. and you have to talk to them and, and say you know well how did you feel and all that and it's just yeah. I used to call it tragedy porn and I would say, yeah. I'm not doing any more tragedy porn. There's, no, there's nothing in it for the listener. There's absolutely nothing in it because, you know, yeah, they can feel sorry for this lady, but they can't help her just by yeah. listening, you know, yeah. unless it's, unless it leads to, and it was just, and they did it so much. And in the end, I said, so I get exactly what you mean. Journalism, actually, over recent years, I'd say over about the, the last five years, there has been less of it, particularly on television but I think it still goes on but I know what you mean about
8: and you know. and I just felt so dirty doing that and I just and that's what I'm saying I'm not suggesting that all journalism is that but it was sort of like this reality check for me of like do you want to do that and I'm not saying that you oh it's not an important story or you only have to write light fluffy stuff you know I'm not no I want to get to the heart of something but Dave Sexton's Alzheimers wasn't the story mm. you know Hmm. So I, that's why I wasn't mentioned there. But yeah, the, mean remember-
0: the story is about the Chelsea of that day, and the yeah, blue exactly. is the colour song, yeah, yeah. and all that going on. Yeah. yeah,
8: yeah, getting him to talk about that was great, and obviously for someone who had been brought up on that era of Chelsea, it was just amazing. I remember it was about a year later um, that I met his grandson and his son-in-law, um, and because they came to, they were, they were coming to a game, and um, they had arranged tickets. I think I think the editor of the magazine had arranged tickets for him um but the the deal was that we could take pictures of him just the great you know Dave Sexton wasn't there obviously it was just the the grandson and his dad um and we were like oh we'll just take some pictures of you in the stadium so we can put it in there to say that you'd come along and I remember when that happened I was like no no, I want to do it I was like I want to do it I was like because I want to tell that kid that grandkid like who his granddad was I know obviously the parents will tell him but when I met him he was like 10 years old and I went do you realize who your granddad is I was like that guy for me yeah you know, I was like it was amazing as as a Chelsea fan I was like I was brought up on your granddad's team you know that team because at the time Chelsea weren't you know when I was we had Kerry Dixon and we had our heroes and it was a team that we looked back on with fondness but for me growing up it was like obviously you know we we talk about the 80s as well and it, there was some spurts of brilliance at times but what defined Chelsea up until the current era was his diamonds that led into Dave Sexton's team, you know, Ron Harris and Dave Webb and Osgood and Alan Hudson and Peter Minetti and, you know, all all these players that sort of were the golden age of Chelsea. That's what we were all brought up on. I remember, you know, the the best memories of my childhood of watching this video, um, six memorable matches, uh, it's a BBC video, on, you know, constant repeat of my brother's. It was just like a game against Man United from like 1967, and a game against you know um, Newcastle when Chris Waddle was making his his debut. I know that goes beyond um, Osgood and whatnot, but just like this era of Chelsea, we were just brought up on it, and it was like that was re- really bonded us as brothers, and it really gave us our relationship with our dad, you know, and. Um, and so that team was sort of like the embodiment of what everything Chelsea was and has led into what it is now, you know. So I was just like, I really want to, you know, I know it sounds a bit over the top of like wanting to tell a 10 year old who his granddad was and like, you will understand who he is, you know. But <laughs> but it just sort of just, I just felt like a respectful thing to do to respect that family for who Dave Sexton was as well, you know. I just felt, yeah, I was like, I really so I went and met, I gave him the tickets and I was just like, you know, to the father, you know, to the, the son in law, I was just like, oh, look. I interviewed Dave and it was like a massive honour and still now like you know 15, 16 years after doing it it just feels like a high point in your in your career you know just like being able to do it and I know I, I don't know I, I just get I romanticise about it a lot but just doing stuff like that just means like to me just means so much you know I just like I just loved Chelsea that much that so I was like doing that and talking to Dave Sexton and being on a level with him yeah, you know, and then I remember like, I went and um, I went and interviewed uh, Richard Attenborough when he became um, the honorary life president of Chelsea, and he he took me over to his house in Richmond, and I was only meant to be there for half an hour, and I was in I was there for like three and a half four hours because he was like the night the nicest guy I've ever met. He was just absolutely just like this amazing person, and we were just and I had um, read his book because we we went there to promote his book but also promote the fact that he had become um, the honorary life president of Chelsea and um, the head of communications at Chelsea at the time just said, Oh, look, we've done all the stuff about him being, you know, a Chelsea fan and bringing Raquel Welch to games and stuff. And Steve McQueen, what other angles are there? And I was like, well, let's cause I'm a massive film fan goes, I'll just talk about him as a film director and stuff. You know, I was like, let's do that. And we'll say, you know, this is the other side of Richard Attenborough. this Chelsea hero to fans, you know, in terms of like, He's seen as this fan that helped bring this glamour of, you know, where he helped ignite the glamour of the King's Road in Chelsea. Um, I said, "So let's do that." And I interviewed him about his book. And then um, he, it uh, he was just this ultimate gent. And you know what? This wasn't pre-planned. But where I'm sat, I've got his book right in front of me. Yeah. Uh, here, look. So this is the book I was interviewing <laughs> about. And then um, he signed. I got him to. I said, "Oh, can you sign it for me?" So look, this was the 21st of November. 2008
0: look at and he that it says
8: um uh, all best wishes gary um many thanks for your kindness and when he signed it i was like what do you mean i've read it i was like what do you mean my kindness i was like you're richard attenborough you've kept me <laughs> in your house for three and a half hours that's the kind you know i was like i can't believe you've given me this time and he was just oh and he was like, "Oh, darling and the way he was talking <laughs> and, and david didn't live far from him and i said to him i goes, oh when i was young." You know, um, I love Jurassic Park, you know, as as all kids did of my age. And uh, it was only when my dad said, oh, he's a Chelsea fan. I was like, oh, who is this guy? And he said, oh, you know, David Attenborough. Because, you know, again, all kids, even kids now, you know, it's like he transcends generations, doesn't he? He's like, David Attenborough, that guy you like, you know, that's his brother. I couldn't believe it. And I said to him, I said, you know, I didn't really know you weren't. I didn't. David was the hero until I found out you were a Chelsea fan, and it sort of flipped. <laughs> so he phoned David and went, "Darling, I've got one of your fans here. Come over." And he was having dinner. with I think it was with his daughter or someone. Anyway, he was like, oh, "I can't," you know, etc. But he was so like affable and friendly that I was just pinching myself. I was like, "God, here I am." You know, how old was I then? I was like, "Yeah." I don't know 25 24 25 where you still you feel like you're a man but then you meet these other people and you realize you're just a kid. Yeah. You know, and I was just like it was an incredible experience. Yeah, so that was working at Chelsea. I just went there and I just started and that's what I mean about being a football writer where I know I wasn't reporting ju- I wasn't a journalist, I wasn't recording uh, reporting hard news. I just wanted to sort of fuel this um yeah, just fuel this idea of trying to do things in a little bit of a different way and sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't
0: well it's all worked out now you've got highway 61 podcasts and broadway to brazil is at number five this week on the pod 20 at number four conan o'brien needs a friend after 25 years at the late night desk conan realized that the only people at his holiday party are the men and women who work for him Over the years, and despite thousands of interviews, Conan has never made a real and lasting friendship with any of his celebrity guests. So, he started a podcast to do just that. Number three, Happy Mum, Happy Baby. Giovanna Fletcher continues the conversation about motherhood she started in her best-selling book of the same name. At number two, The Bright Side of Longevity. With Dr. Roger and friends. Dr. Roger Landry is a preventative medicine physician. Teresa Beshwaite is a life coach. And Danielle Pai is a spiritual guru. A question for you, Danielle, because I know you're the one that puts the whole thing together. Your show is very conversational. Was it planned that way?
1: So it was a little push-me-pull-you. So Roger wanted it to be kind of like your shows are, very laid-back, just have a conversation. Um, me being the planner, it's like, no, we got to have a direction and a script. So somewhere between that, we found that common ground. So we have a little bit of a structure when we have guests on the show, but enough of I've gotten more flexible to kind of go with the flow a little bit.
0: Right. Yeah. You have the topic each, each time, yeah. And then yeah. you just kind of dance around that, and there are certain points you need to get out. Bullets, yeah? Is that is that how it's done?
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, it, it is. Because, you know, I'm I'm kind of a come-as-you-are guy, and uh, Danielle's not, and Teresa's in between. So, I, Teresa, I think, really uh, functions as the sort of director. <laughs> Danielle is the one who gives us... <laughs> not really not a script but you know just a little more organization than i would normally have and you absolutely need when you have three people if you're not going to talk over yourself and you want to cover things so we go in with uh, uh, you know a rough idea of what we want to achieve and uh, then we hope that it's uh and, and it's casual and uh most of our guests like that I think some are a little uncomfortable. You know, they look like a little more structure. You've probably seen that yourself, (laughs) your interviewees. But uh, we, we have fun. And it is, uh, I'm, uh, thanks for that feedback because that's what we're trying to achieve.
0: Really? Oh, good. That, that, that's genuinely uh, how I thought of it. You know, I, I went into it thinking, mm, it's the word, the bright side, and then it's longevity. And you think, oh, okay. And then you listen to it and you think, oh, this is really fun. This is three people who like chatting about things, three interesting people. So have you, the distance that you're apart now, have you always recorded it apart like that?
2: Wow. So Massachusetts,
0: Uh, California and Florida. So we're talking thousands of miles.
2: Yes. Yes, indeed. Thank thank God for technology. Right. We always intended to get together. But, uh, you know, we we didn't for the first, what, six, seven months. And then COVID hit. So, you know, we're not traveling. So uh, we we had a good uh, sort of uh, trial run with uh, you were ahead of it yeah
0: <laughs> people had to learn it quickly when covid
4: hit you were already there <laughs> it helps that we've spent so much time together in person yeah over the years i think that helps us a lot
0: and you do it this and- way can you see each other mm-hmm. okay so you do you do so you can you, you can see if something's working or if something's annoying someone
2: <laughs> i've been in both of those rooms that they're in there Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> they haven't been where I am down in my basement in Massachusetts but you
0: know <laughs> right but there's never been a show where you've all been in the same room together
1: no, uh, no but Roger has been here in Florida uh, when you he's come down that way because we've used this studio to do some like educational videos and stuff for a Masterpiece so we've occasionally sat side by side but Teresa's always been remote
0: Roger I mean I'm nicking this from Seinfeld but aren't you at an age where you are legally required to live in Florida now?
2: <laughs> God's waiting room, Graham.
0: <laughs> okay, now who came up with the the three P's in a podcast? Because I love that. <laughs>
4: That would be our colleague, Neil Miller, who um, is has the most creative brain when it comes to things like this.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Dr. Roger and friends will be back next week to talk about their favorite episodes of The Bright Side of Longevity, which is at number two this week on the pod 20 at number one. Hunting Ghislaine with John Sweeney a podcast from LBC it's at number one for the third week in a row, it's about Ghislaine Maxwell, the former partner of the paedophile Jeffrey Epstein and that's it for episode 32 of the pod 20, thanks to this week's guest pod stars, Dr. Roger Landry Danielle Pai Teresa Besher, Gabby Roslin Trevor and Ryan Mangan Tom Fordyce and Gary Hayes If you'd like to watch extended video chats with my guests, check them out on YouTube and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Next week's guests are Giles Paley-Phillips and Jim Daly from Blank Podcast. How did this podcast come about, guys?
9: It's one of these things, I think, it's weird sometimes when you, you start collaborating with people. It's kind of, they often, these things come out of nowhere and they happen very quickly. Now, I think jim does a a very good podcast called fyp which is to do with uh crystal palace football club we're both big fans of crystal palace i mean i'm an avid listener to jim's other podcast i'm not sure he listens to any of my other podcasts but that's all right
0: (laughs) you Um, can plug them if you like (laughs)
9: um but yeah so i'm an avid listener and i think when i i i'd wanted to do a podcast for for many many years and i think i was having a bit of a i was having sort of downtime in writing not finding it difficult to come up with ideas and a bit of a writer's block I suppose and I, you know, I was just thinking of other sort of other projects I could start and you know podcasts were starting to become so sort of, they'd come back around a bit again I think they'd had a bit of a sort of lull in the sort of I mean I think they came out sort of early noughties I think you started seeing them pop up like Ricky Jeray show and that kind of stuff and that was when I first kind of started thinking about doing doing one and then Yeah, I guess they sort of, there was a bit of a lull. Maybe I wasn't into into them as much. And then it seemed like, um, maybe around sort of 2014-ish, I was starting to get into them again. And, uh, they, you know, there were still... Sort of people like Adam Buxton were still producing yeah. content and stuff and, you know, doing great shows. And I remember thinking, oh, I'd really like to do something like this. Um, I'm probably getting to the point where I knew a few more celebrities and a few more well-known people. And I thought, well, you know, I could maybe ask a few favours of people. But I was listening to FIP and I thought, oh, Jim, Jim's got a great energy. I think it would be really nice to to collaborate with Jim on something. I think Jim had asked me to possibly come on um, fyp or or i think you at the time jim was you were thinking about doing a, another podcast and you'd mentioned to me about doing something and so you know it just seemed like it was be you know it'd be a nice collaboration to work with jim on it and um I, when i spoke to jim about doing the podcast he uh was saying that he was having a similar kind of uh kind of block or blank as obviously the, the title of the podcast is around um stand doing stand-up and, and comedy and and that was kind of the thing well this is actually you know you and i could maybe we could talk to some some really successful people and see how they get through or if they have those same moments and that's kind of how it how it started really
0: and so you you didn't know each other at all until that moment until that first contact
9: not only via twitter i yeah. guess and a few probably a few dms you know um and i just i'm a bit um uh what's the word i'm a bit uh gung-ho sometimes feet first and um i just said to jim i think i sent him a message saying, oh i've got this idea for a podcast you want to do it <laughs> and that was kind of yeah the
10: first time you messaged me i misread the email because i thought you said do you want me to come on as a guest and i thought the idea for the pod sounded really good I thought hey, that would be fun actually because we we we'd chatted a bit on twitter but i thought it'd be nice to meet Jars, chat to him about blank moments uh yeah that could be fun so i said yes and then i reread the email and thought oh shit, he wants me to co-host it <laughs> oh that's a very different question <laughs> um but still thought well yeah let's let's meet and let's see how it goes because it's a good idea it's a really really good idea so let's just see what happens and then we met for a coffee in in central london you come up to london
9: because no, i was Brian. working at we met in Brighton. I thought we met
10: in. I was
9: working at Yahoo.
0: I thought I first. It's obviously one... indelibly. um such a, a big deal. deal. Because
9: Wim... No, it's true. It was Wimbledon was on, and I met you near. It was quite near Wimbledon, and I remember there being big screens showing the match. Yeah, well, it yeah, wasn't.
10: Yeah. It was central London. I mean, yeah, it wasn't far from Wimbledon. But I was working in near Tottenham Court Road, or something. I can't remember blimey it wasn't that long ago that details Jim details <laughs> but we, then then we met up in Brighton a few weeks later to sort of yeah. like hash out plans for it but th- those first couple of meetings were so easy like yeah. we just got on so well you were like well this is what well, we could do a podcast about anything and it's gonna it's gonna work because we get on so well so and I think that sort of added a bit of a bit of buzz to it to the excitement of, of doing this podcast but yeah really it was we were it was quite we didn't know each other so it was I guess it was quite bold in a way wasn't it
0: yeah, I've found when I've done radio work, I mean, because you have, like, some stellar guests on the Blank Podcast. When I've done radio work, I've never enjoyed interviewing... Now, I don't mind this, where it's me interviewing more than one person. But when I've been had a co-host and the two of us have had to interview one person, I've hated it. Oh, really? Yeah, wow. because I've always... I'm, I was always... When it's live radio, particularly, when you, you can't go back and cut a bit out that doesn't work, you want every question to to elicit a decent response. Pre-recorded, yeah. is mu- there's much more freedom. You'll take a chance with a yeah. few more questions that go nowhere. Oh, well, I'll just cut that out. But I always liked to, like, set up a question, and I might have a follow-up question based on what they've said. But then the co-host might ask another question and move it on, and you've lost it, you know. Yeah, and yeah. I used to hate it. So, did you find any any tension or or any I don't know any traffic problems with that? Because it doesn't sound like it when you listen to it. But I don't know how heavily edited it is.
9: It's not edited it's at, not at, all. at all. It's not. It's just top and tail. It's
10: just you get what you you get what we unless the guest messing. at the end says oh, I, I shouldn't have said that. Please cut that. But, yeah, yeah, but yeah sure. Yeah. Most we've cut from an episode is about, what, 30 seconds, Charles? Oh, maybe? yeah, I
9: mean, very rarely do we have to cut anything out. I think you bleeped a C word once, but, um, <laughs> you know, it, uh, so generally, no, we try and keep it as is. I mean, I think part of the thing was that well, I think for early doors we were like, well, if there's mistakes and errors or or whatever we'll leave that in because it's blank you know it's blank moments it's, it's yeah you know yeah. If, we, if we lose if we lose our, our train of thought whatever that's <laughs> yeah. actually quite interesting <laughs> and and more natural because you know in, in in life when you're having conversations with things you sometimes think, oh what was i gonna oh what yeah. was i gonna say oh, yeah. oh gone. i've lost track so that's quite nice sometimes i think to make it more you know that that feeling a lot of people say when they listen to the podcast a lot of the messages we get on twitter and stuff from people saying like i feel like i'm there with you you know like i'm overhearing a conversation in a cafe or a pub or something like that and that's very much what we kind of wanted to instill in it is that kind of idea of yeah. overhearing a conversation with people and you have those normal blips that normal conversations have i guess
10: well it also makes the editing process much 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 easier <laughs> yeah. Yeah. there's yeah. only two edits one at, one at the beginning one at the very end exactly. yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 Complete
0: laziness. Giles Paley Phillips and Jim Daly from Blank Podcast, my special guests next week on the Pod Twenty. And what will happen on the chart next week? Will Hunting Gillain stay at the top for a fourth week? Maybe your favourite podcast will be number one. Find out with me, Graham Mac, and influence the chart by making a recommendation at thepodcastradio.co.uk.